wherever your alarm goes off. All over this amazing place we call home, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, it could. We just don't have the budget. Broadcasting live and local, this is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. And welcome to the podcast version. I'm Lee Faulkner. And the great thing is, if you missed the show throughout the week or if there was something that you missed that you want to catch up on, something you heard that you want to hear again, or the full unedited version of chats we have like Adam and Simon from Gogglebox, well, that's all coming up on the podcast version of the show. So whatever you're up to, uh, just kick back and enjoy We've got plenty for you. Uh, We'll uh, also have the cafe chat. We stepped into the Triple M Breakfast Cafe and had a talk about gambling and the responsibility on us or on the casinos. Uh, We'll have a Friday foodies little preview of what's coming up, the Carnival of Flowers, food and wine. Uh, As well as that, we uh, caught up with an amazingly inspirational bloke called Tom Nash. Now, Tom is the keynote speaker at the upcoming Toowoomba Business Disability Awards. So the full chat with Tom. And we talked boxing with uh, my mate Rob from Before the Fight. We'll have plenty of fun along the way with some You Can't Be Serious. And I know it's the segment that you all want. So here it is, the full Smelly Boot Experience. Well, uh, thanks to Bottle Mart, uh, we have a look at uh, the last, second to last round now of the NRL after last night's big clash. Uh, round 24 continues and a very good morning to our tips to Gov. G'day, mate. Go mate, how you going? Um, where else? Where's Solid at? What well, happened? Well, he... look, he, he rang me as the coach and he said, mate, I'm just feeling a little bit tired. I'm a, I'm a bit, <laughs> bit fatigued. Uh, it's a bit like Cobbo. Uh, we thought Can we'd put him on the down, bench. Having a little lie down. And, uh, you know, hopefully he bounces back with us for the final round uh, next Friday. But uh, we'll see how we go. Let's check out the uh, the rest of the round then. And it, it kicks off 6 o'clock tonight. The Penrith Panthers, unbeatable. Backable a dollar three. If you like the Warriors, they're thirteen dollars. Uh, I look. I don't even know. With solid out, I, I thought about giving him a few brummies. I, I couldn't even do it to anybody. I, I think we'd all agree the Penrith Panthers are specials uh, here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking so. Luai, um, he's back for the Panthers this week, which is obviously a big plus for them. Off the back of last week's tough fought win over South, I think they get away with this one at home, but. I think Solid's got some sort of affiliation with the Warriors, so I wouldn't just be going on the Panthers too early. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he's got uh, he's got plenty of fingers in plenty of pies as how man Solid, that is for sure. All right, into Amy Park, 5-8. to eight, The Melbourne Storm, they take on the Sydney Roosters. A bit of semi-final football come early. This should be an absolute cracker. I'm going to give the Storm the edge for mine just because of the home ground advantage. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you too. Absolute cracker, and um, there'd be plenty of people waiting for this one to happen. Uh, the sponsors' product will get um, get a start tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Um, tonight, I should say. It's a Friday night game, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Look, yep. Um, Storm had a huge win over the Broncos last week, which played them into that early season form that they had. Months has been the key for them in the last part of the season. Roosters put 72 on the, the poor old West Tigers last week. Um, they show that they're ready to play footy's final. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Storm only because they're at home. All right. Uh, I think we'll give Solid the uh, Storm as well and see if we can put the curse on them just to slow <laughs> them up a little bit leading into semi-final time. Uh, the Roosters, uh, you just never know either. Uh, as I say, it's going to be an 
Absolute crack-up. All right, Saturday, three big games. Kicks off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Raiders fighting for their season. Uh, they managed to uh, get themselves in position to do that with a win, a good win coming from behind last weekend. Uh, the Butcher would have been uh, on the edge all that game. But uh, And I got a few text messages to that afternoon, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but the Raiders and the Seagulls, I'm wondering uh, whether at this time of the year, maybe the Seagulls might have already clocked out for a Bali holiday. Well, I think you might be right there. Look, they've lost their way over the last three or four weeks and, and they've just been playing terrible. Um, having said that, as you mentioned, the, the Raiders, they did beat the Knights, but, gee, they fell over the line late. They were very, very lucky. Um, they are playing for a final top eight spot there at home. Uh, with not much confidence, I'm going to go the Raiders. Sorry, Butcher. Uh, well, we're not going to help him much because I'm going to give Solid the Raiders, and uh, I'm on the Raiders as well, and uh, there's no doubt about it. We need them to not be even thinking about getting into that top eight, just in case Parramatta uh, continue to stumble. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's do that, all three of us on the Raiders. Then we move uh, Saturday 5.30 to Points Bet Stadium. Uh, it's the Sharkies. Uh, a lot of people talking about them being the smoky to come good for the end of the season and maybe even win it all. They're up against the doggies. Now, we know that Solid has an association there, so let's give him the dogs. What are you and I going to do, though? He'll be happy with that. Oh, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, the Sharks, uh, everyone's everyone's getting on the back of the Sharks. I just hope that Sharks don't read that uh, the newspapers because, yeah, come <laughs> semifinals, everything tightens up. You bump into a couple of good top sides. But, look, they've showed that they've, uh, they've got the, uh, the goods to go ahead with it. Um, they've been playing like a team that's really enjoying their footy and, uh, yeah, they'll get out of the top of the dogs this weekend. All right. Uh, you and I then are on the Sharks. Uh, now, we move into the final game of tomorrow night, Acor Stadium, 7.35. This is the Rabbits and North Queensland Cowboy. This is another absolute belter of a game, and I really don't know. Toss of a coin. Latrell Mitchell, uh, there's a lot going on. He's already starting to think about these contracts with the Dolphins and other things. I'm a bit worried about that. North Queensland are just buckling down and getting their work done. I'm going to back the Cowboys. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, Jason Demetrius, he'd be concerned about that too. And his old boss, uh, Wayne Bennett, seems to be uh, throwing things in front of Latrell Mitchell, which could be a distraction. Um, as you said, yeah, another cracking game. Both sides have attacking plays like all over the paddock. Oh. Um, I just think that Todd Payton, he's got the Cowboys ready for finals footy yeah. and their defence is pretty solid. So I think on the back of that, sorry about using the solid name, <laughs> I think I think they can get away at this one. But yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, okay. Well, then, since you've used the reference there, in regards to the uh, the Cowboys, we'll give solid the Cowboys as well. Uh, he's probably got an affiliation up there in North Queens that we don't know about yet. So <laughs> let's throw that one in there. Uh, then the West Tigers uh, at 2 o'clock at Combank Stadium up against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Uh, finally, the Big Red V are outright favourites for a game. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not going to mean much to either side, but I'm sure you'd love to see them go out with a couple of wins to finish the season and start looking towards next year, yeah? Absolutely, yeah, and that's the idea. Yeah, look, they're playing pretty good football. They're playing good attacking football. Um, I think that continues this weekend, but yeah, they uh, they want to you know, finish off well and get into the next season. So, yeah, the Dragons for me. All right. Uh, look out next season for the k Plumbing Supplies West Tigers. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give him the Tigers, and you and I are on the Dragons uh, for a win there. Uh, don't wanna, I don't want to spoil your chances by putting the weight of the curse on Absolutely you. So, uh, so we'll give him the Tigers. Uh, and then Seabus Super Stadium, Sunday afternoon, to round out the uh, this round. It's not much of a clash. The Gold Coast Titans are the favourites up against the 
the uh, the Newcastle cubicles at nights. Uh, and uh, who knows what's going to happen here. But uh, I, I got a feeling the Titans. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, 15 plays 14. So it's a um, some absolute <laughs> glue yourself to the seat job. Knights had a go last week and they just fell short against uh, a lucky Raiders outfit. Um, the Titans showed glimpses of um, form against the Dragons, but they also fell short. I've got no idea. Titans for me at home, I guess. All right. And of course, Solid's had a, a long time association with the Titans, so we'll give him the Knights. Uh, which... <laughs> <laughs> As you do. And how good to see uh, former Titans man, Ash Taylor, uh, coming back to the Garden City area and uh, going to be coaching the Newtown Lions. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think that is uh, that is wonderful. So he'll be there. Well, that's great for a young fella too, like um, giving back to football. Um, yes. I'm assuming that at some stage during next year he'll pull the boots on because he won't be able to help himself. Oh, but, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now that's good news for the uh, for the TRL, that's for sure. Absolutely. And a new association there now for Solid with the Newtown Lions <laughs> as well. So feed a club to the Clydesdales very soon, I'm sure. Uh, that is the Smelly Boot this week. It's thanks to Model Mart. Thank you, Gov, and enjoy the footy as always. Have a great weekend, mate. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And people around the globe are starting to question whether or not Scotland may be caught in the Matrix as they try to determine if anything about the country is true or actually exists. For decades, scientists and adventurers have tried to prove the existence of the country's most famous identity, the Loch Ness Monster, all to no avail. Now, thanks to social media, many are learning that another part of their identity is also make-believe. So, all countries have a national animal. Here in Oz, we have the kangaroo, and in England, it's the mighty lion. But Scotland, well, apparently, it's the unicorn. Yep unicorn. Scotland's national animal has been idolised in the country for centuries, but that didn't stop many people from being shocked when they learned which creature the country cherishes most. Now, while this won't come as a surprise if you're Scottish, since the creature is found on everything from buildings to passports, people have been left shocked by the discovery. In a short clip online, a woman looks stunned as the fact is displayed across the screen, and her response closely mirrored that of several viewers, all of them asking the same question, is this true? Well, it undoubtedly is, and it's been the case for many years, as the National Trust for Scotland explains. It seems the creature is significant in many cultures, as unicorns are associated with power and innocence. And the unicorn was first introduced to the Royal Coat of Arms of Scotland in the mid-1500s. Apparently, lions and unicorns have always been enemies locked in a battle for the title of King of Beasts. A fight, I reckon I'm backing the lion to win. But look, to all the people of Scotland getting a hard time for believing in the unicorn, take heart that many adults in this country still believe in the Brisbane Broncos. You cannot be serious! All right, well, as you know, this is one of my favourite TV shows, and I can remember talking about it on this very show when it started uh, and saying, hang on, we're going to be watching a show about people watching shows. Uh, how is this going to work? And uh, from minute one, I was completely enamoured with Gogglebox and the people involved in it. And a couple of the stars uh, that have been there since season one joined me for breakfast. Adam and Simon, good morning to you guys. G'day, mate. Uh, great to have you guys uh, on the couch still uh, because, as I say, you guys are originals, but you did make the decision a couple of years back to step away from the show. But is it the case that you just missed it too much? Uh, well, we consider ourselves like the uh, the teenagers who decided to leave home and then they realised that rent and uh, bills and things were very expensive <laughs> and you had to cook yes. your own food. So 
we thought the best idea was just to come back to the safety of uh, mum and dad's house. Oh, absolutely! Look, uh, unfortunately, uh, Gogglebox has suffered a, a, a big loss in the in the loss of Di just uh, recently. A, a fan favourite for for many of us, and I'm sure one way or another, you guys sort of you know know each other. Well, yeah, and that's that's always the interesting thing because we never actually got to meet Di. But okay, we 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 know her as much as fans of the show, really. Yeah, um, just kind of everyone else that's watching along, and uh, it was it's so shocking and. Really, really sad, and really sad for Mick and for her family, and yeah, just really, just really sad news. I think. Absolutely. All right. I uh, now get back into another series of Goggle Box, and you guys get to to sit there and and watch these shows. Do you when you see yourself back again, having you know uh, been edited and so forth? Do you sometimes look at it and go, "Did I say that? That was really funny," or uh, is there a lot more there that we don't see that you're thinking, "Oh, I wish they'd put that in." Well, we probably look, and when we watch the show and we see ourselves, we go, geez, that, that was pretty funny. Yeah. We, we probably get looked after by the editors a bit more and, and uh, look better than we actually are, mate. Oh, absolutely, Brie. I, I, it's, it's been a great ride for you guys because I know you're footy fanatics. I mean, just, you know, being a fan of the show, I know how much you love your footy. And then I'm watching the AFL Grand Final a couple of years ago, and there you are doing the famous kick across the Yarra. That must have been awesome. Unreal. Unreal. And that's like, the, the whole thing with the show has been, we, we just kind of will look at each other every now and then and we're like, what are we doing? Like, how <laughs> we ended up here? We're like launching torps across the Yarra River. It's like, this is ridiculous. Like, we shouldn't be here. This is something, something has gone awry, but we, we'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And I know you guys too have a podcast, which is on our platform on Listener. Tell us a little bit about what you do on the podcast. Uh, so it's called The Adam and Simon Show, and it's the most cerebral podcast you could ever imagine. We do true crime, we do relationship breakups. No, seriously, mate, it's two guys just uh, having a bit of fun, uh, just examining the ridiculousness that is going on in our lives. One of the conversation topics this week was, which order do you eat your McDonald's in? Oh. Fantastic. Oh, I've talked about that on this show, and I'm a fries first man. And I, and I, go. I just can't like see, that. you know, how, how anybody could be any different. What are, you, what are you doing eating that burger first? You've got to eat the fries <laughs> first because they get cold. Anyway, that's a whole nother, nother thing. <laughs> I, now, I, as I mentioned, you guys have been able to do some pretty cool stuff on the back of it. But you both work. I mean, you're both physiotherapists. Uh, do you find that, you know, you, you, you're at work and then somebody goes, hang on, I know who you are. Do they pick it up straight away or are they, are you the guy off that thing or, uh, you know, has it got to that point? yet where they go, oh, you're on Gogglebox. It's usually on the second one. Yeah. Uh, on the second visit, they'll come in and they'll lie down and they'll be working. You'll be working on their back or whatever it is and they'll, they'll stick their head up and be like, hey, you didn't tell me that you were on TV. It's like, oh, <laughs> it doesn't usually come up in conversation to be honest. They're like, oh, I love that show. Lee and Keith are my favourite. I mean, you guys do right as well, but Lee and Keith are my favourite. That's generally how the convos go. Are they, are they the ones? Are they the standout that, that most Always. people pick on? Always. Is that Always right? Yeah, oh. mate. Lee and Keith, Anastasia and Faye. Oh, yeah. yes. Those, yep. Yeah, they're oh, the two faves. I love those. But look, what you two guys have done uh, since season one, absolutely fantastic. I mean, just the way that you interact amongst each other. You just look like two blokes that are just having fun watching telly. How did you first get involved? Did, did you apply for the show or did they discover you? Because I know that's been the case with a lot of the uh, the people. Uh, we were just at the pub, mate, and the lady yes. came over and said she was casting for a show and 
she thought our group of mates would be uh, not too bad on it, and we told her it was a ridiculous idea for a TV show. <laughs> uh, and then she pushed a bit harder and left her email, and then being young, impressionable uni students, we sent her an email the next day, and then the rest is history. Oh, mate, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad that it is, and I'm so glad that you made the decision to come back as well uh, because uh, you, you really do provide a, a, a great piece to this puzzle, and we've got a new family starting as well. There's plenty to love about Gogglebox. If you've never watched it, I don't know where you've been all this time, but tune in. Uh, it kicks off Wednesdays at 7.30 if you've got Foxtel, and then Thursday nights 8.30 on uh, Channel 10. It is an absolute beauty. Gogglebox Australia. Adam and Simon, thank you both very much for all the laughs and thank you for your time on the show this morning. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you. Appreciate your kind words, mate. Very nice of you. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And love them or hate them, the gender reveal slash we're having a baby video is here to stay. Now, whilst most are as simple as a cutesy announcement between lovers or some coloured smoke coming from an overzealous dad doing a cleverly staged burnout at his SS Commodore, it seems lately the race is on to have the most divisive reveal online. Last week, Maria Popper posted a video showing that she was hired to perform along with other dancers for a gender reveal party. Now, when we say dancers, we don't mean the Bolshoi. Yes, one couple had managed to weird out the entire internet by revealing they'd hired pole dancers dressed in pink and blue to perform at their gender reveal party. In the clip, one of the pole dancers could be seen walking over to a balloon placed next to the couple before popping it, revealing tiny little blue balloons that signalled the couple would be having a boy. It may also have been a reference to the next 20 years of the hubby's life. Either way, this, ladies, is why you don't leave the reveal party to him. Although, given this next story, I'm not so sure. At the end of last week, a woman posted a video that shows her freezing her positive pregnancy test as the stick in an ice block before feeding the ice block to her partner as a way of revealing she's pregnant. People were quick to show their disgust for the reveal tactic and even offered the bloke some money to help him file for divorce. Yes, it's the most horrendous thing we've seen outside of Broncos fans who were made to watch the entire game on Friday night. You cannot be serious! Now, the, uh, the inquiry into the casinos is happening at the moment, and obviously there's a, there's a lot going on there that we're not even going to touch on in this conversation about money laundering and all sorts of bits and pieces. But one of the things that's come out of it, of course, are the stories from those people who find themselves unable to control their own gambling, and the well question being asked is whether or not casinos and other gambling houses and places where there's any gaming machines are doing enough to uh, stop those people that are vulnerable from losing absolutely absolutely everything and uh, and from some of the stories we're hearing perhaps even their their life when it comes to this but just how much responsibility should be on these gaming houses and how much just should be our own responsibility we, we quite often are quick to jump on the nanny state whenever the government wants to tell us about what we should or shouldn't be doing in some instances but when it comes to this a lot of people seem to be on the same stage that it's it's the, the casino's fault they attract you with all the, the the fancy offers and the bright lights and the the fun of the whole thing um, uh, the reality is that people just lose money hand over fist. But, Carol, I mean, you know, as I say, should we not just be responsible for ourselves? Yeah, Lee, there is an element of that. But some people, just as they are with alcohol, are, are actually a, have addictive personalities. And when you think about it, it's not just the person involved. It's their, whole, their family and other things. Uh, I actually was a TAB agent in Gundawindi. That's right. And uh, when you anyone comes in and invests over $10,000 with you, you are by law, you have 
have to contact the, uh, the, the authorities to tell them that that's happening. Um, so I just wonder how, I mean, I, I think, yes, there is an element of taking personal responsibility, yeah. but, and, and I think most of us would be able to do that, but there are some people who just can't. Yeah. And when you're putting a 50-something thousand dollar Rolex watch and a jet, and a jet trip from Sydney where you've been banned up here to Brisbane, a birthday cake and all these sorts of things in front of somebody who has been banned from one casino, surely, surely, uh, surely they talk to each other and surely there should be some sort of social uh, and, and, and um, you know, Moral sort Moral, of compass uh, um, when it comes to this. Things and around that. that and, I, and I take your point, but with Lauren, again, I come back to, you know, personal responsibility because how far do we go with this? I mean, you know, we have RSA laws that stops you from getting too drunk and, and hurting mm. yourself and they have to stop serving you. But there's nothing, there's nobody no. at, the, at the pub that says you can't come every single day and continue to spend your money. Mm. There's nobody at McDonald's standing there. We don't have a nutritionist in every McDonald's standing there saying, excuse me, I'm just having a look at you and your yeah, family you, and you don't need McDonald's. But you can't uh, lose you know, $10,000 or $20,000 or even more than that. But, on you the can lose your, but you could lose your, your life, though, couldn't you? I mean, you know, with the, with all of that. So, so again, I think, I, you know, I, I think, is it up to them? Or do we just have to say, well, the, these casinos are illegal? I think it's – well, I, I don't think it's just the casinos and I no, don't think we no. can, um, like, not make gambling legal. Uh, or make it illegal, illegal. but mm-hmm. um, Carol, I think you're talking big dollars there too. Absolutely. You're looking, t- you're yeah. talking ten thousand, twenty thousand. Well, that's big, big. There's a lot of that's people that only like that. have yeah. small amounts of money yeah. that mm. might be they get their pay and they gamble their there. pay in the first hour. So relatively, hour. it's the same. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think something needs to be done there. But it, it, it's addiction. Generally, mm. it's addiction, yeah. and. Um, it, it's generally masking other issues mm. that someone has yep. um, that they're not dealing with, so they're going to gambling. Mm. So I think I don't think we can put support people in casinos and local pubs, which is what was in the Courier That's Mail right. article. Yeah, but I don't agree. Because no, no one's going to go and see. That. Like if they're a gambler, they're not going to go sit down with the support counsellor no. on the side and say, "Let's talk about my issues." Mm. But maybe the government need to come to the party with some more, ca- like more funding for counselling that people can go to on their own. Accord, yeah, and like it's a slippery slope. Like I've been to those pokies and I've had a slap and won hundred bucks and think, God, that was easy. That was good you fun. Know, like and all the lights goes off and, and all yeah. the yes yeah. and the things pop up and there's all the graphics now. I mean, back in the day it was just chink, chink, yeah. chink, ding. But now it's all the things open up and there's games going on. All yeah, the rest of it, you think, oh, you know, part of the issue, yep. uh, and not with the high rollers, but that's part of the issue with the every. Per- it's and you and again on those machines, mm. you can lose up to fifty hundred dollars one go. They one go. go at once. So it's all about attracting the gamblers and the whole. Philosophy around it at these ish, at these places, and not necessarily the TABs, but certainly at the gambling like clubs and pubs, yeah. is to attract them and then to encourage them to spend more money. Yep, absolutely. And, and I, I don't know, honestly, I really don't know. I, I agree with Lauren. I, I mean, it is. It is a difficult thing, but I have seen personally in small communities, yes. you're far more aware of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you, you do see tragic circumstances like loss of houses and yeah. and children Suicide. not having what Suicide. they need. Absolutely. And then, but and don't then we have the same thing, though, with, as I say, with alcohol? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I get a catalogue every day from, mm-hmm. from some place, all, mm-hmm. bright, all telling me I'm going to save money on this and get a gift with that and get a gl- set of glasses with that, whatever. Uh, now, if I'm a vulnerable person who's, mm-hmm. you know, only got a small amount of 
income and I'm spending all of it on grog and then I'm coming up. Maybe there's, you know, domestic violence, all sorts of issues around well, that's, that. that's exacessible. We're not doing anything it? about yeah. that, but that no. we're lading it is on that, the casinos and saying, well, you shouldn't let these poor people gamble because they're running out of money. Lee, there's advertising laws around, I know, mm. around... Um, Promoting alcohol and and whatnot on the radio and on yes. TV yes. is that the same as gambling? Yes. Is there laws around? We have that as well? very strict yes. laws, yes. very strict laws around that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and a big thanks but, but, to my sponsor, Sportsbet. But you do no, have <laughs> to think about. You know, we'd have to go back and and balance our our thoughts and conversations around the fact that some people have addictive personalities. Yeah, absolutely, they do. You but. Know. You know, then the, the question, well, you know, is that their responsibility, not the not the places? Because where do we draw the line yeah, on how no, much help, I... on, on how much we stop? And also, you know, I don't want to be, if I'm just, I mean, I might go to a casino once yeah. every two yeah. years. And isn't it good how you don't have to buy a drink? Because they, you know, they just want to keep you playing? They just want to keep you playing. And if I go and throw, you know, some money on a blackjack, I don't want somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, excuse me, sir. No. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm only coming anyway. Of course you don't. So yeah. I don't know. I just. I think, Lee, uh, they would have, one. I think pub especially small regional yes. communities would have an idea of who their addicted gamblers are and yes. they probably do have some responsibility to say, mate, you're playing mm. with more than money here. Yeah. You know? I, I, yeah. I don't know. In a small community, I've actually uh, known of people who sit there from the minute it opens until oh, the absolutely. minute it closes playing poker machines and yeah. not even realising and, you know, losing total touch with reality because there's no... Outside window, there's no or clocks. The lights are on, and All of that. you know it, it's just a. And I know that's the minority, and I, I I agree with you. If I want to go, I we all work hard for our money, and we make sacrifices, spend it want. and we should be able to enjoy. It's enjoyable. Yep. To go and when we wish to go and do that, but for some people, and their well, for, certainly for their families, it's um. Mm. It's, uh, right. it's disastrous. Yeah. Well, one triple three five three. Should it be, uh, you know, self-regulated, or or do these institutions that have any sort of gambling uh, have uh, a responsibility to make it uh, harder for us to re- to spend all of our money? Uh, Councillor Carol Taylor, thank you very much thank for you. your time Everyone this morning. Keep, as always, keep warm. Uh, thank oh, you, God. Lee. Well, if we had a jacket like uh, lovely Lauren's to be here got, with absolutely. Uh, with uh, and Lauren Hope from Brown Square Marketing. Thank Thanks, you, team. Lovely to see you thank again. You. It's twenty-one past eight. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And during the pandemic and subsequent lockdowns, the online sales of adult toys went through a renaissance. Most retailers of Mother's Little Helpers reported a massive spike in sales as people looked to quell the boredom of days spent locked indoors. But with millions of items sold around the world, what happens to the rubbery fun makers when the owner decides they've had enough or they've simply worn them out? Well, you wear them on your feet. Yes, a little streetwear label has partnered with a giant in the adult toy industry to create a shoe derived in part from unused, defective or recycled amusements. Looking a lot like a high-end croc, plastic sole is about 15% adult toy. The rest is non-bleach EVA, a petroleum-based foam that's difficult to recycle. The shoe is the brainchild of David Teitelbaum, founder of Rose in Good Faith and Chad Braverman, chief operating officer for Doc Johnson, the adult toy company his father founded in 1976. Now, that would have made for a very interesting bring dad to school day to explain to the class what he does for a living. Anyway, more than two years in the making, Plastic Soul has yet to create the buzz of the products it's recycling. 
The pair say they took on the shoe collaboration not as a garden variety publicity stunt, but to promote sex positivity through fashion and innovation. Really? Then why did you make them look like Crocs? So just how do your former pleasure playthings become shoes? Well, they grind down the recycled items into millimetre-sized cubes to a mix of rubber and plastic that lends itself to moulding. And voila, you now have a pair of $130 Crocs that had previously been... Well, you don't want to think about that too much. Oh, and you might want to wear socks because, let's face it, athlete's foot is now the least of your worries. You cannot be serious! Well, coming up Thursday, the 15th of September, the Magnificent Wellcare Airport is a very special awards night. The Business Disability Awards Australia. Of course, recently we saw Reggie Bird here in town to launch the awards, and we had a chat to Reggie about her journey. And my next guest is the keynote speaker. Uh, Tom Nash is a successful DJ, a business entrepreneur, an in-demand speaker, and he has a magnificent voice. I've got to tell you, I'm putting my best voice on this morning. Uh, and when you think that at 19, he lost both his legs and arms, it is even more of an extraordinary story. And uh, you're going to be one out there to uh, to hear Tom Nash speak. Uh, good morning to you, Tom. Good morning, Lee. It's an honour to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, as I say, you have continued to live a full and successful life, but uh, you must have considered that that wasn't going to be the case for you at 19. Tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, uh, well, I uh, contracted meningococcal disease when I was 19, so I was an able-bodied uh, young student, uh, a university student, I should say, uh, at the time, and um, felt kind of uh, invulnerable to all of the the world's um, atrocities. Yeah. Uh, but was wrong, obviously, because I contracted meningococcal and spent the next 18 months in hospital. And then, as you had mentioned, had to have both legs and arms amputated. I don't do things in halves. So, you know, I had to <laughs> go the whole hog to, with that one. Um, and then just had to regain my independence using prosthetics, uh, including but not limited to learning how to walk again and then using two hooks for hands. Goodness me. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're hearing your story now many years down the track, but at the time, I I mean, was there thoughts going through your head, I don't know if I want to continue on, if this is going to be me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, m- more with respect to when you're in a lot of physical pain, it's very hard oh. to see the forest from the trees, I guess. Um, but then once you get over that part of it, I think, you know, the effort to become independent again and to lead a normal life is quite strong. How important was it then the people that were around you at that time? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they were integral to, to my recovery and, you know, particularly not just limited to doctors and nurses, but also friends and family members uh, who supported me. Uh, quite a lot through that time, you know what I mean? And and it's it was great to be surrounded also by people who were just getting on the, with their lives and doing what they did because it encourages you to do the same. 
Absolutely. I, I know uh, some people may already be Googling away your name and they'll probably come across uh, your TEDx talk, which is uh, just extraordinary. And uh, you've had uh, a lot of people listening into your story there. Uh, and I can only imagine that there are many living with a, a disability, whether it was you know born with or whether it was down the track in their life that they came across this, that they felt some form of inspiration from the way that you speak and the way that you deal with it. Uh, but again, I, I come back to just that, that mental aptitude that you've provided yourself, that you weren't going to go down the negative way. You've turned it into, a, into an incredible positive. And that is a, it's an amazing story in itself. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's more a case of framing at the end of the day, Lee. So yep. it's, uh, I mean, you're free to tell yourself any story about the past that you wish. And, and you know, for me, it was looking at my disability as an advantage in a certain way, because, you know, I had come uh, overcome so much at such a young age and I'd learned how to problem solve really well. And so it was a, about sort of transposing those lessons onto other aspects of life and then being able to, you know, problem solve, uh, think laterally and, and change your approach to life in general, you know, based on a disability, which is kind of like a gift that no one else has given at that age. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mentioned you're a business entrepreneur, so I can only imagine that there, there must have been obstacles there and, and as many people with disabilities would find. So uh, just how important is something like these Business Disability Awards to be highlighting those businesses that are giving people with disabilities a chance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's a case of, you know, when, when you understand that, you know, people with disabilities quite often have very specific yet unique skill sets. Yes. Um, and, you know, when they find their positions out in the workforce and, you know, doing something that uh, somebody else without the, the experience of that disability couldn't have done as well, it's it's fantastic to get, you know, people with disabilities in the private sector sort of just kicking ass, you know? Absolutely. Well, if you, uh, I, I tell you, want to hear the, an incredibly inspirational story uh, from an incredibly inspirational man, then you need to get yourself some tickets to get along for Thursday, the 15th of September. I, I just type in Business Disability Awards Toowoomba and you'll be directed to the website where you can click on the link then to buy tickets. You can buy tickets for yourself. You can even give tickets. Uh, to somebody living with a disability that you'd like to bring along and it will be a fantastic evening. Uh, it's Thursday, 15th of September at the Wellcamp Airport. Keynote speaker, Tom Nash. Uh, Tom, thank you for your time here this morning and thank you for coming to our part of the world for the Business Disability Awards. So I'm, I can assure you uh, people are going to be enthralled when they hear you speak later on that day. Thank you so much for the invitation, Lee, and I'm looking forward to coming to Woomba for the first time, actually. Well, we are opening our arms to you, mate, and thank you very much again for uh, for chatting to me on the show. No problems. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, when it comes to the world of boxing, there's always plenty happening from a local level right through to the international super matches, and there's only one person that I talk to, my good mate Rob Shife from Before the Fight. G'day, mate. Mate, how are you? Very well. As I say, plenty of things for you to be talking about at the moment and starting here on a local level with our very own The Viking, Stevie Spark. I, I noticed that you posted just a couple of days ago that he signed with Matchroom Boxing, uh, which I'm assuming is a, is a great thing. What does that mean for Stevie's career? 
Uh, well, obviously, it means a, a great deal. Battery and Boxing is the biggest promoter in the world at the moment, uh, head, uh, led by Eddie Hearn. Uh, he's coming out. He's, he's showing a bit of interest in the sport out here in Australia. He's already got Dempsey McKean, Ebony Bridges. He's got the IBF uh, Bantamweight World title. Uh, he's got Brock Jarvis and Liam Paro, who are set to be fighting each other. And what this means for Stevie Spark is he's in the same weight division as Liam Paro. And Liam Paro, at the moment, is the number two... Uh, in the world with the WBO when it comes to the super lightweight division. So there's some movement happening there and some opportunities for Stevie. There's also been some names of some really big fights with uh, Americans like Montana Love and things like that, which have already started to come out of the woodworks. So everyone's looking right now, and uh, they're very interested in what's next for Stevie Spark. That is brilliant. Oh, well, that we'll be definitely keeping a, a close eye then on the Viking. Uh, somebody else that I know you keep a very close eye on, George Cambosis Jr. Uh, mm. Now, of course, June 5, he lost his unification lightweight fight to Devin Haney. Now the rematch is on. This, is, this could be one of the biggest fights in Australian history. Absolutely, you could, uh, especially after seeing the rematch on the weekend uh, against uh, Alexander Usyk and Anthony Joshua. There is a bit of a, a question if there is a hoodoo uh, with Haney mm. over Cambosis, and what you know, what does he have to do to get past that to um, to regain the the lightweight uh, undisputed title? All right. Well, that's coming up on October 16. And then uh, before we get there, one month before that, on Thursday, September 15, it's Gallon versus Hodges and Hennant. Uh, we spoke <laughs> about this the last time you were on. It just gets more and more bizarre, this whole thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, if it brings people to boxing, uh, just to have a look one way or another, I guess there's some positives to be taken from it. Any chance that either of those two blokes could upset the big fella? Look, there is a chance. Absolutely, there is a chance. Both um, uh, elite-level athletes in their day, and they continue their training regime, obviously not to the standard that they were when they were professional NRL players, but they do stay fit. They stay healthy, the boys. Um, uh, Hodjo's boxing out of Fortitude Boxing at the moment in Brisbane uh, with Adam Copland and Ben Hannant with Platinum Boxing at the moment on the Gold Coast with uh, Chris Carden. So both the high-level coaches that are really bringing the boys up to speed, Gal is in his own lane when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, the uh, what the people aren't really thinking about was when I spoke to Gal the other day, uh, he came up to me and I said to him, uh, how are you going to handle the adrenaline dump if there's a fight in between? Because we don't quite know what the schedule is at the moment. Yeah. And that's what he's really worried about. He pulled me to the side. He said, Rob, nobody seems to understand that you know, once you win a fight, you know, you have that big adrenaline dump. And then to re-warm up again yes. uh, to go again for another fight can be very difficult. So he's hoping that they come out one straight after another and there's no great break in between. Mm. But we're yet to see. No limit again to let us know. But this George Foreman fought five. Five guys in one night uh, many years ago, and at the moment, Matri and Boxing have got uh, a celebrity uh, 2v1 happening uh, over there as well with KSI. So uh, he's fighting a couple of people. So I don't know if you'll see too much of it happening in the future, but it definitely has been done in the past. Well, he's always one to set a trail of his own, isn't he, Paul Gallon? That is for sure. And if you want to know what's happening in the boxing world from the local level to the international level, one place to go before the fight. Check out their socials and YouTube channel, which is an absolute beauty. And there's a very, very good interview up there with uh, Tim Zhu. Uh, lots of laughs in there. Absolutely brilliant, mate. My friend, Rob Scheif, thank you for your time as always. Mate, no worries at all. Happy to help. Thank you, Lee. 
You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And to say that Ozzy Osbourne likes drugs is, to put it lightly, a bit of an understatement. In fact, it's a bit like saying that Meghan Markle likes a whinge. Yet despite his infamous love of all things illegal, the Black Sabbath frontman recently admitted he swore off taking one drug for good in the 70s after spending an hour chatting to a horse, and apparently the horse talked back. During a recent interview, the 73-year-old rocker opened up on his experiences with LSD and the culture surrounding it. Ozzy claims he took 10 tabs of acid, went for a walk in a field, ended up standing there talking to a horse for about an hour. In the end, the horse turned around and told him to f*** off. Now, to be fair to the horse, if you've sat through Ozzy talking for 10 minutes, you'd know it's a bit like swimming through sand. Which brings me to this story from Ozzy's former bandmate and Black Sabbath bassist, Geezer Butler. Geezer told Classic Rock magazine the band first experimented with psychedelics during a trip to California in 1972. We took acid on a California beach and Ozzy went for a swim. Well, at least he thought he did, but he was still on the beach, flailing away in the sand. Ozzy's history with drug use has been well documented, with the self-proclaimed Prince of Darkness admitting that he'd been hooked on pretty much every drug under the sun at some point during his career. At his peak, he claims to have been taking everything from booze, coke, heroin, acid and quaaludes to glue, cough syrup, rohypnol, clonopin, vicodin and on more than a few occasions was on all of them at the same time. One infamous story alleges that Osborne was once so strung out he snorted a line of ants whilst out on tour with Motley Crue. And Ozzy also claimed to have once given some bats a bag of cocaine as an apology for biting their head off one of their kinfolk and ended up snorting their droppings when his gift was rejected. Ozzy has been sober for the past eight years but admits to falling off the wagon when he was forced to watch wife Sharon on the talk. You cannot be serious!